Hello and welcome to A Coffee with Algamy Consulting, a fourth in a series of podcasts looking at the impact of COVID-19 on the wealth and asset management industry. Today I'm very excited to be joined by two uh, industry professionals, Debbie McGregor, Chief Insight Officer at Squadra.com, and also Sarah Dudney, an independent HR consultant. Good morning. Um, I'm also lucky to be joined by Algamy Consulting partner and leadership guru, um, Pierre-Yves Rahori. Bonjour, Hello, Pierre. Chris. Hello, Chris. Today's podcast is focusing on leadership expectations in the wealth and asset management industry. What are the expectations in a post-COVID-19 world, especially as we start planning a return to work? But before we do that, I just want to make sure you've got a coffee with you. Coffee? Yes, indeed. And we're, as always, we're doing this socially distance over Zoom. Debbie, can you give us your potted history of what your experience in the financial services industry? And I'm very interested to know what a chief insight officer is, and also some of the exciting stuff you're doing at Squadra, which maybe we'll talk later in the podcast about how that relates to leadership, particularly. Well, morning, Chris and everyone. Great to be here. Uh, yes, so I have the rather grand title of chief insight officer at uh, Squadra. We are www.mysquadra.com and I'm essentially responsible for our product. We're a tech startup, very early tech startup, but my entire banking uh, background actually has lasted probably about 20 odd years, mostly in the people side of the industry, seeing all those sort of market cycles that we've seen through that time, I've become fascinated in leadership behavior. You provide the insight in that organization as, as well as the, le- the leadership. Uh, that's right. An insight because, like any organisation, trying to kind of pull all the different strands of um, the kind of people topic together is really tough for a startup. My experience actually is around that kind of, well, what's the user experience going to be? So it's very much focused on the product. Thank you very much. Sarah, uh, welcome again. Thank you. Good morning. The independent HR consultant, I think that sort of doesn't do justice to the full career you've had. Tell us a bit more about your career and what your sort of diverse set of interests are uh, at the moment. Thank you for having me this morning. So I am very much a believer, as Debbie is, in people as the connective tissue in any business. My professional activities have mostly been focused on recruitment for asset managers, large, small here in London and also in Frankfurt, Paris and in Asia. I've worked on a range of searches so I understand the leadership dilemmas and I've done a lot of work in diversity and inclusion in that. Languages are really helpful. I would say listening is a great asset as well. And I would describe myself as a sort of informal corporate anthropologist of the asset management industry, just sitting and listening and watching what various tribes are doing. Fantastic. We do ask you a bit of a brain teaser before, something a bit more fun, which we'll come back to at the end of the podcast. So it's coffee related. I managed to break one of our, our coffee implements in the home. It's one of these, I don't know if you know, a cafetiere where you have the plunger. I think it's also known as the French press. I managed to push it down and break the, the, the glass. So my question to you is, have you had a crazy coffee moment or what is your favourite coffee gadget? And we'll come back to it at the end. This is going to be about leadership in the asset management industry. Before we dive into that topic, and as always, we'll look at what have we seen in terms of your experiences of leadership in COVID-19, 
what have you learned and you know where do we see the future but your observations Pierre if you distilled into six principles so maybe you can very quickly give a summary of thank you Chris we we indeed pulled together a, a set of principles and the idea was to try and distill in a very simple comprehensive fashion some of the principles we've observed in normal time to be reminded of in time of crisis and we're offering them to steer people's thinking and leaders action in the weeks and months to come especially as we're coming out of the COVID crisis principle number one probably ask listen and learn and that very much ties up to one of the comments you made earlier on sarah the power of listening is probably one of the most underrated resources in organization. The second point we're suggesting is to get your hands dirty, but don't do it alone. Time of crisis is the time where leaders are expected to show their face in, in the coal mine and, and get things done and write the article and call people and figure out what happens at home and, and just get things done. But the expectation is that you do it as part of a team, not on your own. There is no expectations that the leader uh, delivers everything. Mm-hmm. Principle number three is accepting vulnerability. It's very clear that this crisis is very hard on everyone. It's very hard on every organization. It's very hard on the countries. It's very hard on our civilization. Then it's all right to say, very hard for me. I can't cope. And that is something that will be expected um, from leaders. Principle number four is, I would say, almost commonsensical, but we we tend to forget it. It consists in recognizing that there is a loss and trying to help make sense of things whenever possible. There has been a loss, and it's going to be even more difficult if there is not recognition that we've lost the word before. We would really invite leaders to go through this process of recognizing this class with with their teams which connects with step number five it's important to recognize that going through a crisis is a process everyone knows this principle of um, loss shock denial depression before you move to acceptance and that rings very very true in time of a crisis so it's really important for editors to recognize that not everyone goes through this at the same time. You need to adjust your response model and adapt um, yourself to to everyone's speed. And then last but not least, um, the principle number six is take a pose and celebrate. So take a pose to reflect, take a pose to recognize the loss, take a pose to think about what's gonna happen next and celebrate every single step that um, you take moving forward. There's a lot in there, but it's six core principles that would be very useful for, for maybe Deborah and Sarah. If we're, if we're looking at these experiences that you've seen through your contacts or even personally in any of the, the work you've done in the last two months. I think that was a very moving list of principles that Pia, you've set out there. I would say that acknowledging what has gone before us and may not come back is a really in- useful one. And actually, that is so important to acknowledge the loss of the social contact. Even introverts, I know, are saying, oh, I really miss the office gossip. I also know in the past two months, a couple of firms who have taken this period of reflection 
as Piaiva said, and have moved on and actually actively gone into active succession planning. One company I know in the insurance sector are going through that at the moment, taking on a new leader and one is retiring. I think that's really interesting for leaderships to keep going and not to pause and say, oh, we'll deal with this when we get to the next stage. You know, it's important to keep going and not to sort of sit in a state of frozen paralysis that sometimes actually affects us when we're in this moment of change. Debbie, have you seen any standout moments from leadership? What have you seen that's worked well and, and what hasn't worked well? I think there's a, a, a real kind of tagline appearing under a lot of the kind of leadership messages at the moment. It's around being human, actually, and trying yeah. to reconnect in as normal a way as possible. One of the themes that I've picked up is that where things are going well, individual leaders, whether it's a kind of small team leader or, or a large team leader, is really making an effort around connecting with their, their team. As Pierre-Yves has mentioned in his really insightful list, actually, that there's a theme for all of them, which is around people's individual needs in times like this. That point on that bereavement curve might be different. The ability to deal with loneliness might be different. There'll be 101 different scenarios for individuals. And the the leaders that are really tackling that well, particularly in a relationship business Mm -hmm. and, and financial services is one of them, is to really understand what clients and employees are individually experiencing. I think the one standout on your list, Pierre-Yves, of the six, actually for me, is don't feel you're on your own. You know, if you're leading a large team, you cannot get under the skin. What you can do is indicate you've noticed and you care. In some way, kind of convince your team to come with you and help you with that messaging. Uh, where it's working particularly successfully is where a leader can get in, in touch themselves and really indicate that they, they've noticed. That leads you then to the whole ability to be able to celebrate or to acknowledge um, and to, to bring that connectedness back together again. So I think be human, treat people as people, even though they may be a long way away, and really focus on something I think which may become an issue. I haven't any sort of scientific understanding of why, but I think loneliness may become an issue if we don't make those connections and, and try and find some way of creating social connectivity early on in this transition but back to normal. Often if we're, if we're talking from a human resources or talent perspective, we're thinking about the staff initially because they've got to deliver the product. But I guess, yeah. Sarah, with your recruitment mm-hmm. and talent um, acquisition hat on how do you relate to employees that are going through stress and, and potentially working from their flat shares or in a single yeah. versus the ceo of an asset manager who's deciding which of his second homes or her second homes they're going to be staying in so do you think that's genuine you've seen that work in terms of people just paying lip service to we're in this together i've heard a number of interesting stories Again, this is an insurance-related one, but I'm sure it's uh, common across asset management. I know one company, they realised that the staff perhaps were working in the corner of their bedroom and they didn't have a proper chair, so they gave staff a budget of X hundred to get a chair and also to get a flat screen. So they're not impairing their vision, peering at some tiny laptop 
screen. So it's a case of, and Debbie made a wonderful point about sort of asking after the human, you know, really what is their situation without being too intrusive. I think she made a wonderful point about the elements of loneliness, particularly in finance when you are dealing with complexity and precision. It's very demanding and you need that mental moment of decompression afterwards. And it may not be in the way that we had it before. So the macho culture, you know, I, I come from an investment banking background and it felt very much you get your loving at home and you come to work and you certainly weren't being emotional in the office. Do you think that has changed? That's what we've learned from this crisis or is this just going to revert to the, the norm um, after this? Debbie's made a really interesting point about that and I just wonder what the solution is because I can't quite tackle that emotional point because we just don't know whether we're going for disruption or change but we know that the consistent the constant point that you're alluding to is that social isolation also the social isolation of the leader which Pierre-Yves rightly pointed out the leader has to see him or herself as part of a team but it's very atomized because everyone's in their homes. Well, what it used to be like for individuals who were very happy and content with having a very distinct boundary between work and home, as opposed to those who actually have always felt that the two should be merged. And in the old, if you like, we look back now as if it was a long time ago, it wasn't that long ago, you know, come into the office, do what you need to do, go home. And, and don't kind of present your personal life much. Deliver, perform, get paid, go home. There's an opportunity to really disrupt that um, because we're already demonstrating how that is an artificial boundary. And it's led me to sort of ask that fundamental question, well, what's the point of an office anyway? Mm. I, I actually haven't articulated an answer yet. But around the human behavior side of it, That group of individuals, there's a wonderful psychologist called Nancy Rothbard who's written about segmenters. She makes a very clear distinction between that former group I described who are happy to have very clear boundaries between work and home. That's just the way they are. And those that would just love to be able to merge the two and have that kind of home office work environment all the time, described wonderfully by those individuals that don't want photographs of the family and they don't want anybody to ask them about what's going on in their home life and they don't want to know uh, anyone to know about their pets or, or their children uh, against those that do and really feel that should be part of how they work. And there seems to me a growing opportunity for that, that kind of silent minority, if you like, those that have been really struggling, whether it's with flexible working, remote working, working from home, whatever you call it. Part of it was that need to be able to merge the two. So... I think in answer to the what's the point of the office, the office is that forum for connectivity, but it's also a forum for seeing the whole person. We haven't done that before, and that's a true disruptor. I think the answer will be somewhere around what use you make of tools, of the technology. In the future, do you see this office space when we go back? That's going to be part of the motivation for employees going forward well motivation you know is grounded in so in several different sort of elements but the pieces that are missing for us are the pieces that we're now 
talking about here and, and beginning to identify motivation has has long been defined as being kind of in you know in control having a, a certain amount of autonomy in what you do having purpose in what you do and being good having a mastery you know what you do what we've tried to squadra through our technology is to say yes but you need to be connected and you need to feel psychologically safe yeah. to do that so you have those two elements in order to feel that you are motivated we will through our tool be able to extract that and use that and a leader can 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 use it to keep in touch to notice as i i said earlier to care to celebrate to recognize those start to bring that team cultural piece together uh, no matter what team you're in i, I find your response very helpful What I am observing right now is there's a lot of focus on the logistics of coming back into the office. Your response takes us to the next level, which is what does that mean from a leadership viewpoint? What is the meaning of an organization and are there other ways of doing it? The point you make about organization being a connection, you know, at the risk of name-dropping psychologists is really connected to the concept of containment by Bowlby, which I believe is very much highlighted by the crisis is the role of the organization. And, and, and the fact that we've been disconnected, dispersed across London and greater London and, and beyond, and, and this mixing of your private life and your professional life has made us probably realize that function of the organization of an enterprise is fundamental will be sought after by leaders and, and team members alike and probably a focus of work for for the leadership of the weeks and months to come what is the response model i've been talking to some companies this week about the return to work hmm. logistical process which is in part guided by government guidelines which aren't yet clear Mm. but are emerging as we forespeak. What I would gently suggest is that the leader of the COVID-19 case in asset management and wealth management needs to get on the tube. Yes. And needs to travel and show that that is the way it can be done. Just like you used to see Mark Carney on the tube, actually. Mm. Although obviously I never stopped the good man. I think... That brings me on to some other points. In terms of leadership, there's a couple of things there. Debbie's touched on the, the sort of emotional intelligence you need mm. to understand and reach out, which for me talks about a new type of leader. And possibly we've seen in the crisis, the leaders have done really well, the Jacinta Ardens and mm. the Angela Merkel. These are female leaders who have skills which have been undervalued in the past. And the blast email sounds like a very macho male type of leadership i'm giving you the information you'll accept that and you know get in line so from a recruitment point of view that could change the the look of the the skills you're saying well i think that's the the synthesizes all the many of the points that we've talked about today one of them merging the personal and professional the, the new baby at work that wonderful image of her as well as through the crisis last year through that terrorist attack and through what has been going on in the last 12, 13 weeks. And actually, I think you're very right to point out about this, the EQ and the IQ. But there's also, we could pop into Pierre-Yves' list, resilience. Because that's, you're having that ability to 
where the macho view was potentially over resilient you can have too much resilience mm. so maybe the new leader has to Pierre's recipe has to have that sort of flexibility that plasticity to be able to move with these these crises and it will be a test for men and women the point i made about the tube should be added to do they understand if they're the person that brings their um coffee every morning how are they getting on has their child got back to school safely that's a very sensitive and perhaps question that they should naturally ask and not look like they're reading off an autoprompt Debbie, we've covered a lot of the, the, the future there. Is there anything else you feel is, um, is is worth noting in terms of leadership? I was interested in this point about getting on the tube. Can you think any any sort of other yeah. physical examples of leadership um, leading from the front? Uh, well, I love that example. Yes, you know, lead by example. And I think there's also a behavioural part for leadership to consider a part of, of their kind of mindset, which is around turning from yes, autopilot sometimes, into being genuinely curious. Mm. Really kind of triggering the curiosity element of relationships. They, many leaders are very smart and, and, and can work out kind of on an intellectual level what the answer is, but it requires a fair amount of curiosity to get beho- behind the human story. Using that curiosity on a human level could be really invaluable i think there's a danger zone though for getting back to to the office and following guidelines to the letter when actually when you do that you then forget about the whole point of the office Ten thousand people in an office block is not going to happen anytime soon how do you replace that the danger zone for me is that there's a kind of huge rush to do all the government stuff you know make sure you've ticked the boxes we're very good in the finance sector at ticking boxes mm-hmm. but have we actually paused and thought are there other elements we have, have forgotten or overlooked and from a leadership point of view I would, I would say that period of tolerating what we don't know yet how we redefine the sense of organization is going to be a very challenging period for leaders in, in our industry because we are so used to delivering on time, getting yeah. the transaction settled on time, getting the market up and down. We are entering a period of unknown that we're going to have to be able to tolerate for a little while. And I, I truly believe that will be a skill that is going to be required from the leaders of our industry. This topic really is fascinating. In conclusion, the many points you've made that I picked up, I think we're disruption or change that is going to be something that we don't know but it's definitely a sort of watch and wait to see what happens there the human side whether we're discussing calling it the getting on the tube moment or just seeing you know how leaders can learn to adapt to react to different people in the organization from the bottom to the top and also take time to understand that some people may want to merge their home and work lives and and then that psychology of leadership. You've had a good half an hour to think about a coffee gadget or a crazy coffee story for me. Who would like to go first? We, we got Sarah. What have you got for me? Well, I agree with you that the French press is a good way at home to do coffee. If you have broken your uh, glass receptacle, mm. all I can say is if your child's got a chemistry set, you might find that there's a 
in the chemistry set at home. You could actually reuse if you've got an old chemistry set. Fantastic. That's a project for me and the children. Um, homeschooling, thank you. Two birds with one stone. Um, <laughs> Debbie. I like a really, a really good quality Americano. Like you, I've had a few incidents with the cafeteria plunger and I'm now onto my, I think I'm onto my fourth. So the good news is that the, the cafeteria glass is very easy to replace. Thank you both. Those two great ideas. Pierre-Yves, anything to add up, round, help us round up on leadership or any further thoughts on coffees? I, I will talk about my lockdown coffee story. I, I love my French coffee, but I think I, I, I prefer Italian coffees. We found, oh, I agree. We found an Italian grocery store 20 minutes walk from the house, which started offering takeaway coffees during lockdown. So it was one of the highlights of the day to take a walk, go to this small grocery store, fetch a cup of coffee and walk down. So, you know, we killed two birds with one stone, do our exercise and, and get our good Italian coffee. Excellent. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks very much, Chris. And of course, thank you to Pierre. Thank you, Chris. Okay, thanks everyone and thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with the next instalment of Coffee with Alchemy Consulting. It's goodbye from us. Thank you.